Hallelujah. Turn me, if you would, to Joshua chapter 1. Give me a few people up here in these seats. I don't know if it's musicians that be going down there, or singers or whoever. But if not, I don't want to preach to three empty seats. Somebody come from the back or something. Hallelujah. Help a brother out. Help a brother out now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's get ready to read this. They'll be up there in a minute. Thank you all. Thank you all. Hey, Jeff. Hey. No, it's, yeah, that's not Jeff. <laughs> There's Jeff over there. Hey, I just said it too quick, Charlton. Sorry, man. Amen. Let's look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Thank you, Lord. It says, after the death of Moses. Everybody say, after the death. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over to this Jordan. And you and all this people in the land which I am giving you as the children of Israel. Verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, I have given you as, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness in the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river of Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall abide to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Mm. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence. We thank you for this day and for this time to hear your voice and to receive direction from you and to receive wisdom and discernment and power from you. Holy Spirit, stir up in us a might. Stir up in us our gifts. Stir up in us things we know that are there and things that we need to be there. Let this be a day to just draw a line in the sand and take the next step of victory, the next step of glory, the next step of territory, the that that you have in front of us. Let this be the day. Not tomorrow, not next week, not shoulda, coulda, woulda, but let this be the day. As a matter of fact, Holy Spirit, let this be the moment. Let this be the moment in time where everything changes in Jesus' name. Now, while I'm preaching, if your moment happens, just yell. Dance, I don't care what you want to do. Run, shout, shout Jesus, whatever. But let somebody know you got it. And we'll just celebrate with you. I said, we'll just celebrate with you. 
Hallelujah. Boy, it is hot in here, brother. Come on now. You know what I'm saying? But we can handle it, can't we? We're not a bunch of weenies, man. We're not a bunch of wimps. My God. You're going to go out and lay by the pool anyway today. So, yeah, but I had my bathing suit on then, Pastor. It won't be so hot. Look at your neighbor and say, Pastor does really love you. Honest. Especially, yes, you know, just tell them. God bless them. Amen. Amen. That's an interesting time as we see, and I even talked about it a little bit during the offering, that during this time that whenever you uh, were trying to barter or have exchange to survive, to live, you had to have something to barter with. You had to have something to work with. You didn't have money. You didn't have greenback. You didn't have that stuff. You didn't have a credit card. You didn't have plastic. So, so they had to have land. And land is the key, the, the key to wealth. It really is today too. But land is the key to wealth at that time, the key to not only wealth, but it's really the key to even exist on this planet and to take care of your family and to raise your family. Now, as I said earlier, whenever you have land and you want to barter, two things come from that land. Either something you grow or something is grazing on that land. Either something you're growing or something is grazing. So you're growing vegetables or fruits or corn or crops or wheat or barley, whatever it are, and that is your value to exchange. Grow grapes for wine or whatever it is. You're growing things to sell, to barter, but also to support your family to eat and so on. You, you, they had sheep. That's, they still are so many sheep in Israel. It's amazing today, as modern as is, how many shepherds are truly still there operating and working the sheep throughout the land. Now, what do sheep do? They graze. They just go pick and eat and graze. They're just grazing all the time, right? We'd be better off if we just grazed all the time, right? Instead of eating like, like we like to eat, amen. But they just grazed. Now, now, what I want you to realize is that whenever you look at that concept and what was really taking place, that only something comes off that land growing, or something coming off that land grazing, that land is very important. And the ownership of that land is important. And that land becomes what? Not only a business, but it becomes home. I know for me, home is important. And, and, and I know like when I travel internationally, whether I'm kept in a nice place or, or speaking in a nice facility or church or ministry and they keep me in a nice place and, and I'm flying on a cool plane and all that stuff and get to do some other stuff. Then when I come home, I always know that, or even if I'm out of the country on vacation or something, whatever, whenever I'm coming back in, and you'll notice if you've been international before, when the, when the jet's wheels hit the tarmac, everybody shouts and screams. You ever notice that? Anybody traveled internationally? And, and three of you, man, you guys got to get out. Anybody traveled internationally before? I mean, maybe you went on vacation. What about about 15 of you. Anybody ever, anybody ever been out of the United States of America? Now look at this. Now, if I did a test right now, I mean three, 15, 100. Okay. How did those 100 people, James, slip in here and just raise their hand? I don't know. The third time I asked. Let your neighbor say, he's not going to let you off the hook. You just, you just make it up. And, and, so, and so what we see is, is whenever you land, everybody's shouting and screaming. Why? Because there's nothing like feeling like you're home. There's nothing like feeling like I'm back home. I'm, I'm in the States. This is where I belong. This is where I live. And whether you live in another nation, you feel the same, whatever that might be. And whenever we have a home, we have 
a home has to do with this. It has to do with your mental and emotional state and also your spiritual state. And whenever we are dealing with home and we come home, there's so many people that, that are not home mentally or emotionally. They're just not there. They're home, but they're not home. They're, they're struggling with, with who they are. They're struggling with connecting. You know, you know when you look at someone who, who is not emotionally there, many times what it is, it's, a, it's, it's they're wanting to give love, but there's nowhere to give it. And they're not, their emotions are not being fed. And then when we look at spiritually people not being home, spiritually is because, think about it, if you had sheep and they had nowhere to graze, what would they do? They would die. And it's the same way emotionally, it's the same way spiritually. If we don't have a spiritual home, what happens to us? All of a sudden, we're, we're, we don't have anywhere to graze and sheep die. And that's what spiritual people do. They just fall off, they fall away. And what would be the, the, the definition of someone spiritually that's not home would be someone that, well, you know, they're just kind of living life and, and whenever they hear something good, they just kind of gravitate toward what they're hearing, it's good. They might try it or at least accept it as truth. They don't have absolutes. They don't have a place in their life where they know that they know what truth is and understand to the level that who they could be in God and what he can do in them and through them. And then we see here, as we come into this passage of scripture in Joshua, we see that it, said, it starts off by talking about Moses, right? Now, when we look at this, we think about it, it says, and after the death of the servant of the Lord, after the death, it, what, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the, uh, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Now, now think about this. Here Moses is. What does Moses do? We look at the children of Israel. They're also like a family that's not emotionally there or spiritually there. Because think about it. They've been in, uh, 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 they had just come out of bondage, 400 years of slavery and bondage in Egypt. And really, 400, they were there 430 years. 30 years, the first 30 years, they were guests. They weren't even in bondage. Joseph brought them there during a the drought. But after Joseph died, sometimes after he died, a new Pharaoh rose up and he didn't know Joseph. He didn't care about Joseph. So he just put all the children of Israel into slavery. And they were in that slavery for 10 generations. 10 generations, 400 years. And then here God calls this runaway named Moses out taking care of sheep in the desert, hiding out. And he calls him to go back and be the deliverer of his people. And Moses, you know, finally you go through the whole story of how he obeyed God and he got back there. And remember, he stuttered and he said, well, I'll give you Aaron to talk for you. He, he gave him a staff, that rod, that stick. And, and he said, when you throw that staff down in front of Pharaoh, it'll turn into a serpent, a snake. And then you grab it by the tail and pick it up. And he said, uh, here, 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 let me show you something, Moses. Put, Moses still doubting it. Well, here, put your hand in your cloak. Just put it under your coat. And he said, now pull it out. When he pulled it out, it was leprous. He said, oh, it's leprous. He said, okay, now put it back in. When he put it back in, he said, now pull it out. It was healed. It was like baby skin. It was brand new. So God was giving him experiences, not only of what and why, but he was wanting him to understand that he was with him and that he would equip him and he would empower him to do this amazing, crazy, great 
mission that he was called to do. You see, isn't it interesting when you're alone, it's when God does so much of your training. When you're alone, here he is, he's throwing his staff down, he's putting it in. So if he just got there and God said, throw your staff down and it's a serpent, he might jump back like Pharaoh. But God will give you time in your alone time to know him. He'll give you time to seek him. He'll give you time to search for him. He'll give you time to discover and he'll begin to release things to you and teach you things and train you things. But if you don't ever have an alone time with him, you're not gonna get the teaching, you're not gonna get the training, you're not gonna get the miracles that the Father has just for you. And so he practiced it in private and then he went and demonstrated it publicly. And we know the story, he brings him out, throws his rod down, opens the Red Sea, he goes through, the Egyptians are swallowed up. And remember I talked to you a few weeks ago about it, that, that how that uh, the Egyptians really, Pharaoh really wasn't wanting his slaves back, he wanted his gold back because they took all the gold out of Egypt and that's how they built the first temple and Moses said, y'all gotta stop, you're giving too much gold, just hold back. Isn't that something you got too much money, just hold it back. And so now the last 40 years before Moses' death, the last 40 years they're just walking around in the wilderness because they did miss God whenever he sent his 12 spies, they sent their 12 spies and Joshua and Caleb came back and said, we can take these giants and Moses listened to the 10 non-believers in the crowd, the 10 non-believing elders, and they didn't do it. So they fought wars and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And even though while they're out there, Moses is doing amazing things. He's getting them, he's feeding them, he's leading them. I mean, he's hitting the rock and water's coming out of the rock. I mean, he's just doing amazing things. He's, he's teaching them how to fight and protect themselves. He's doing all this cool stuff. He's giving them the vision of where they're going and what they're doing. But the issue is now, right before, you know, God said this whole generation will die before I let you go over into the promised land. I'm sure Moses thought, well, that meant this generation, not just me, right? I, 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 but, but he ended up dying. And he ended up, what, dying, what? Short of the mission being completed. Short of the mission being completed. And as he died short of the mission being completed, now we see that it says that God speaks to, to, to his servant, who is actually Joshua, who is his assistant. Now, when Moses died, all the elders in the cities and all, I mean, all the elders and all the people, they mourned, they cried, like anyone does. What do you do when the person you depends on, depend on for everything dies? You mourn, right? You're sad, you're broken. So they're mourning, they're sadding, they're crying, they're, you know, in sackcloth, they're doing all this stuff. Then after a month, it's like, okay, the elders pull them together, the elders get together and say, okay, okay, guys, we gotta pull us together. We gotta find someone to replace Pastor Moses. I mean, who's gonna replace Pastor Moses, right? He's, I mean, he's thrown his, his, his serpent on the ground, pick it up, put it on a stick, and everybody looked at it, we're healed of diseases. I mean, who's gonna replace him? And they're like, I don't know, I don't know. One of the elders said, well, I nominate brother Joshua. What? Joshua? Who wants Joshua? Joshua is the assistant. Who wants him? I mean, it's all right to do stuff with Joshua and serve with him, but fight battles with him, but he ain't no Moses. Joshua. Yeah, Josh. What can you do? 
Moses could do magic. He could throw his staff down, his stick down, and it'd become a snake. He could open the Red Sea with it. What, what can you do? He could do miracles right in front of us and amaze us. Can you do that? Joshua takes his stick, and he's walking on, he throws it down. Looking at his stick, nothing happens. Picks his stick back up. I say, I told you, Josh, he ain't got it. His stick didn't do nothing. He threw his stick on the ground and it didn't do anything. Josh, yes, yes. Josh, can you, uh, can you get water out of a rock? Josh stood there a second and said, well, no, but you can go down around the bend there to the river and get all the water you want. See, I told you Josh couldn't do it. Josh, Josh, yes, yes. Can you heal us? Well, no, but you can just go around the corner to the CVS drugstore if you want to. You say, well, pastor, you're just making all that up. Maybe, maybe not. But my point is, whenever something or someone who's greatly influential in our life is removed, so many times we allow it to stop the promise. So many times when maybe it's not a person, but it's a situation or a relationship or a career or ministry or business, whatever, it's something. And, and, and all of a sudden when it dies, there's no more fruit, there's no more opportunity, there's no more opportunity to grow that business or there's no more opportunity to grow your ministry or there's no opportunity to restore your family or there's no opportunity to get health like you need to be and, and maybe you have a terminal illness, whatever it might be, and, and you're in that place and you're life and then all of a sudden whatever it is totally dies and there you stand and, and how do you feel when you're standing there and all the hope you had is gone well you see that, that's where the children of Israel were their, their, their hope was gone and now all they have is this assistant I mean all they have is Moses one of his I mean yeah one of his guys and the Lord says to him, he's speaking to them, and, and these children of Israel, they're, they're, they're just doing what most of us would do, just in the same situation. And then all of a sudden, when God starts speaking to Joshua here, and it says in verse two, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I'm given them, as the children of Israel. I'm giving it to the children of Israel. And, and every place your sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. And he gives them the parameters, man, from the wilderness and Lebanon to where, where the river ends and the Euphrates goes, blah, blah, blah. He's telling them all this stuff. And he even says, now, Josh, no man will be able to withstand you. And he's telling him all this stuff. And Joshua said, Lord, Lord, yeah. What about my stick? It don't work. Your stick. Yeah, I, my stick don't work. And, and what about getting water? I mean, if you want me to do what Moses did, I, my stick needs to work. I need to be, be able to take my sword and hit a rock and I need water to come out. I mean, whoa, whoa, Josh. Look, look, no, no. I didn't tell you back there in that verse what, that, that, that I was gonna 
do through you all the things I did through Moses. That's not what he said. He said, I will be with you as I was with Moses. Hmm. You see, God didn't make you to be a cheap carbon copy of someone great. God made you just like you are. God made Moses just like Moses was. God made Joshua and Aaron just like Joshua and Aaron were. He made Caleb just like Caleb was. And you see, that's what I was talking about about four weeks ago whenever I kicked this series off about that God wants us all in and not just to give part, but to give all. And I gave you the scripture passage in Acts 5 where we read about Peter and Ananias and Sapphira and how they lied to the Holy Spirit and the husband died, Ananias, and then a couple hours later his wife comes in and she dies and, and, and they, 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 they died and they sold their land and, and they gave their stuff and they did. But, but the God said, this is the problem. Like Peter told them, you, you shouldn't have lied to the Holy Spirit. What were they doing? They were lying. They weren't being all they could be. They were holding part back. And here Joshua is, you know, he could be holding part back saying, when you do that, if you would just kind of make me and give me the influence Moses has, then I'll do that. But, but, but I don't see it. My stick's not doing anything. I, I'm not having these water coming out of the rocks. These people are murmuring about me and they're complaining about me and they're griping about me. And, and I just don't know how you want me to do this. And, and by the way, God, if you have forgotten, Moses is dead and he's been leading us for 40 years around this wilderness and we haven't had our breakthrough yet. We haven't had our promise yet. And you're telling me, hey, go do this thing that Moses, the man that did parted the Red Sea, brought manna from heaven, brought the 10 commandments, and the man that not just heard you talk from visions and from dreams, but he talked to you face to face and my stick doesn't even work. <laughs> you see, we, we, we could sit around and make all kinds of excuses. And he said, but, but what I want you to realize is he said, God said to him, look, all you need is me with you. You see, Peter and those guys were panicking there in Acts 5 because why were they panicking? They were panicking because their Moses had left them. Jesus had been crucified and ascended to heaven. And it's the same type and shadow here because Moses, Joshua's name actually meant salvation. But Moses changed Joshua's name in Numbers 13, 16 to Yahweh is salvation. Joshua's name is he is the salvation of God. Just like Jesus is the salvation of God. He wasn't, he was a type and a shadow of Jesus who was to come. But what I want you to realize is he went through the same kind of things that you and I go through. He went through the same problems. He went through the same murmuring. He went through things that he thought would work and they didn't work. And, and he had to come to this place in his life and he had to begin to develop an appreciation for who God made him to be. You see, Joshua was a fighter, remember that? He was a fighter because one time he comes around a corner and there's an angel of the Lord's there. He didn't know if it was an angel. He pulls his sword out. He's gonna cut the angel of God. Joshua was a fighter. And, and he said, who are you? He said, I'm the angel of the Lord. Oh, okay. 
I mean, Joshua wasn't a wimp. He was a fighter. There's many of you sitting out there today, you're not a wimp, you're a fighter, but you're not getting your breakthrough. You push and you press and you pull and you try, but here's the key. You gotta understand who you are in God and who God is in you. And then you gotta make a decision, not just to have one foot in. You gotta make a decision to commit. You gotta make a decision to go all in. You gotta make a decision to prepare yourself and to stir yourself up and to be trained and to receive training and to give training. You gotta stir yourself up to love yourself and love your family and love your God and love people you don't even know. You gotta stir yourself up if you wanna do greater things than you've ever done before. Then you gotta start doing bigger things than you've ever done before. Or you can just be like these other men saying, show us your stick. Can you get water out of the rock? You can be the one asking the questions but not knowing the answers. A very wise person can ask you questions to get the answers to find out the answers you know because they already know the right answer. But a not very smart person can ask you questions because they just don't know and it passes time and that's cool. See, the key is what are you gonna do with whatever it is that God is giving to you? So old Joshua here, he's a, he's a fighter. He said this to Joshua, he said what? Verse five, he said, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, he reminds him again. So as I was with Moses, so I am with you and I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and be courageous. He's saying be strong and be courageous. He didn't say get strong. He didn't say try being strong. He said be strong. That's what faith is, it's now faith. Faith is not in your past. How'd that change? Faith is not in your past. Faith is not in your future, faith is in your now. And you have to make that decision up in your heart to be who God made you to be. You gotta make that decision up and be resolute in your heart and in your mind and have the determination to stir yourself up and to get yourself in a place of faith in God that you're willing to do whatever you have to do to accomplish what God put in front of you. Sometimes what you need is just to push. Sometimes we just need to push. You know when staff, which, hey, Pastor Steph, she's in. She slipped up, got the kids settled, she's up here. Um, I know when staff, we were having, she was having Parker, our first, and, uh, you know, she felt like most young ladies praying, well, I just wanna do whatever's best and I'm just gonna have him naturally, right, babe? Just gonna have him naturally. And she's gonna have Parker naturally. And uh, so we did do it at the hospital and all that, but she didn't want the, the epidural and all that stuff. She wanted to do this thing naturally and not have all the drugs in her when, you know, uh, obviously she had more faith than I did because I've been like, give me whatever you got. Oh, Lord. That's why God didn't have men give ba deliver babies. We'd be, there wouldn't be any babies on earth. 
Man would be extinct. And she said, I'm, I'm gonna do this. Are you sure, honey, you wanna do this? Yeah, I'm gonna do this. I feel it's right. I'm gonna do it. Okay, okay. So sure enough, it's time. The water breaks. And, and maybe turn the monitors down, getting a little hiss up here. And, and sure enough, you know, uh, uh, you know, water breaks. We go to the hospital. Well, she's doing pretty good. I mean, the water breaks and nurse is in there. You're getting, you know, you're, you're, it's all happening and da-da-da-da-da. It's going, you're getting ready to do this and baby's getting ready to come. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. You need anything? No, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. So, so all of a sudden, a little while later, ah, oh, what, honey? Something's happening. Oh, oh, man. And you know what happened? All of a sudden, you know, this pain started coming because there was something getting ready to change because something was getting ready to be born. I don't like change. Then you don't like to birth anything. I never done it that way. Good. Maybe it'll, cha- it'll bring change in your life and you can change something. You can birth something. And, and so here she is. She's like, oh man, get the nurse. Just squeeze my, get the nurse. Oh, yes, honey, I'm getting the nurse. You know, I'm running to get the nurse. I get her, I come in there. She's like, okay, honey. What? Oh God, I got this pain down here. Oh man, I got this. Oh, okay, honey, let me check. And she's like, okay, it's coming. He's, the baby's coming, the baby's coming. Okay, okay. I think, I think I'll go on and take that, that epidural now. Not, what was it? New bane? What'd you say? Pain? Give me something. Give me something. Give me something. See, see, if you'd done that, I could tell a better story. I can't tell as good a story of you up here. So, so, and that was 20 years ago. Man, so, so, so just say, so anyway, she said, give me something, give me something. But even though she said, I'll give you something, but I don't know if it'll help you, right? Is that good? Too late. It was too late, wasn't it? So it was too late. She said, I can give you something, but it's too late. It's not gonna help, you, you, the pain's there. And you know why she told her the pain was there? She told her, she said, look, it's too late because you've already went what? Through the transition period. See, see, see when you are wanting your miracle and the pain gets bigger than the promise, I mean, a week before that, the baby was late and we're drinking, sitting there and she's drinking a glass of castor oil trying to get that thing to come out, right? She's trying to do everything. He's eating pizza. Doing a, what can I do to get this thing to come out? He's like a week and a half late. Parker, he, he's not as late now. Pierce is the one late. He should have been the one late, right? And, and so she's trying to get this baby out, doing all these remedies, trying to get this baby out and, and, and he's still there. And then, then all of a sudden we're laying there one night after she just drank, oh man, about eight or 10 ounces of the castor oil. And she's like, you gotta drink some too. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I'm like, I, got, I drink like a little bit of castor oil. She's like drinking all this, holding her nose, drinking it. And I'm like, oh, not drink a little like I'm drinking it. And then she's laying there about 30 minutes later. She said, you know, I just realized something. I said, what, honey? She said, this has to come out. You know where. <laughs> and that don't fit. I don't, I'm not a puzzle person, but you know what I'm saying? So all of a sudden, we're in there. Gosh, can you turn that down? Or can you turn the monitors down? What's happened to us here? Do I need to go back up? So, yeah, thanks. That's it. There you go. So, so anyway, she's in this, trans, the nurse says, you're in a transition period. So, so you're looking like maybe I failed or I'm a failure or I wasn't good enough or I don't measure up or I'm not like he was. I'm not like she was. It, it's never happened for me that way before. They make it sound so easy how to have a good marriage or good kids or good finances or good ministry or good business. It, it's not like that for me. It's a struggle. It's a push. It's a pain. Great. 
That means a birthing is coming. See, what have you been believing for to birth in your life? What have you been believing for? You see, there's no need for a transition unless some structure's gonna be moved. When a lady's having a baby, there's structure that's gotta be moved. You know what I'm saying? Things can't stay in the same formation. You gotta come out of your comfort zone. You gotta get your fight face on. If you want it bad enough, you gotta buckle up, little buckaroo, and say enough is enough. I will have what God said I can have. I will have what I know God put in my heart to have. And I'm not selling for one thing less. Stop negotiating with your miracle. Stop negotiating with your promise. Stop negotiating with your purpose and rise up and say, this is mine and I have it and I'm gonna experience it. Yeah, you get yours to shout like Kenya's. It's your promise. God didn't give it to anybody but you. And it's only good enough if you say it's good enough. But if it's not good enough, it's not the full promise. But you're the one that's gotta make the decision. You're the one. God's already made the decision. He said, Joshua, I'll be with you. I'm not gonna do through you what I did through Moses. Why, well, I don't need to, it's been done. But, but, but I'm gonna be with you to work through your gifts, to work through your talent, to work through the purpose I put in your heart, to work through the dreams I put in your heart. But you're the one that's gotta fight for the promise. You're the one that's gotta push through the pain. You're the one that's gotta wipe and push away and shed off the pressure, the pressure of not being good enough, the, the pressure of not being accepted, the, the pressure of not getting that certain seat, the pressure of not having that income or those bills but you're the one that's got to say enough is enough. You got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. You got to, yeah, 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 say this is my time. This is my moment. I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm not going to put up with this junk anymore. I'm not going to, no, 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 devil. Not my stuff, not my kids, not my money. No. You, you, you know what they told Pastor Steph? I was in there with her. Honey, honey, here's what you gotta do. Got her legs up there, you know, in the stirrups. And here's what you gotta do. Push. Oh, she's tougher than any, she did the same thing with Pierce. She's tough having those babies, man. But the first one, you don't know. She said after she had Pierce, like after Parker, he's like, you know, she knew on Pierce, I know that pain threshold and I'm not gonna let it ease off and, and, and go backwards. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay in and push all the way, right? You've had a bunch of, you know, and I'm gonna push all the way through because through, you're not through to you, through. It's not manifested until it's went through the transitional period. And, and just like birthing a baby, and you ladies know, right? We men, we're a bunch of weenies. We got a hangnail. Oh, Lord, honey, you got a Band-Aid in the house. I think I'm gonna pass out. They're like, see those kids over there, man up! <laughs> and then the nurse is getting a little more like, honey, you got to push. And we're in it a little while. You got to push. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. What am I gonna 
push. And everybody in the room, push. And she's up, she's pushing, she's pushing, she'd get right to that point, and he's up, and then she'd push, and the pain would get greater and greater, and she'd push, and then she'd let up a little bit, and, and all of a sudden, man, she finally pushed, and there came Parker, there came the miracle, there came the promise. But you know what? She figured that out when she had Pierce, and the pain was great like that, and she did the same thing. She didn't have epidural or anything. She did the same. She pushed, and it was like a third of the time even though her time was way quicker than most people. It was like 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Yeah, that you were pushing. I gotta get this right, James. I'm in trouble already. So I better, I better go over here and preach this. No, I'm just kidding. It's all right. We've been married 24 years. We got this. So, so anyway, she said, I, I, I learned this game. when She's already telling me before she went to the hospital. I learned this game. I, I know what I'm gonna do. When that boy, he gets close, he's out there. You watch. He's out there. And boy, he was, whoo. But what I want you to realize is you're like, it's just too hard. Nobody likes me. I'm too old. I'm too young. I don't have the resources. God, you said, God, you said, God said he would be with you. He wasn't going to do it for you. But you're the one that's got to make your mind up. You got to make your mind up and just say, push. I want to get healthy. Push. I want to live longer. Well, then do something different. I want to get out of debt. Then push. I want to fix my marriage. Push. I have people come in, well, I just want, we want our marriage better. Okay, good. You might want to go down the hall to Pastor Mark. He's a little nicer than me, but here's my diagnosis for you. Stop it, stop it, stop it, quit. Don't do it anymore. Take this, and then here's a, 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 here's a name of a great marital counselor. And then if you do these things I told you, and you take this note, and you go over and you get your appointment, do three or four appointments with this person, your marriage will be fine. Well, I can't do that. Why? I just don't know if I believe in counseling. Well, what are you doing in my office then? I just don't know. I mean, or maybe they believe in it, but I just, I just really don't think we have the money. Well, uh, how much is it going to cost you to go through divorce? I mean, if we, if, you, if we hurt ourselves in these moments, right? If we really hurt ourselves in these moments, well, you know, I... You know, well, well, you know, I got this problem with my kid. Well, okay, have you done this, this? Well, I did that, but I don't always do. Well, then do it. Two years later, did you? Do it. See, see, you can get fired up and get counseled up, all that. But the bottom line is, guys, just because you know something, just because you know the information, that's knowledge. And you know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. That's, not, that's still not a decision. Decision from the Latin means of the Father, right? So it's of the Father. And, and he gives us the power. We're a free will, moral agent. We have the power to choose life or death. Our tongue, right, has the power to choose it. We choose that from our decision-making resources, our soul and our spirit. We have the power to do that. What's happening, brother? Come on. What, dude, if it's a, what, what's, what's going on there, James? Fix it, brother. You should have came out. That's okay. I love you anyway. 
going to give me a new mic. Give James a hand, somebody. Give Lenny a hand. Thank you, Lenny. Lenny's like, I'm tired of being yelled at, man. He's like, no, he's like, I'm pushing. I'm fixing that right now. I'm not waiting and saying we'll get it next week. What is it right now, guys, you've got to push for? What is it right now that you've been letting sit on the table too long? What is it that you're not all in on? Say, well, I just can't believe, you know, I just can't believe, you know, like God killed Ananias and Sapphira. And that's the New Testament. That's scary, right? Now, we know that God's not out to kill you. Jesus said that he came to do what? To give life and give life more abundantly. So he's not out to do that. But, but we don't always have all the answers is what I'm telling you. Well, God, why isn't it working out? God, I did what you said to do, and I still don't see the result. God, why, why is it working out for them? It's not working out for me. You know why? Because you're required to do a little more. You're required just to push a little more. But, but why should I have to push harder than he does or she does? Well, maybe you have to because he's got more for you to do and more for you to accomplish. Why didn't it work out easy for me? Well, maybe he don't have an easy mission. He has a great mission and a great plan and a great purpose for you. But you know what? No one can push for you. As much as I wanted to help Seb, I couldn't. The nurse couldn't. The doctor couldn't. She could, it's the only one that could push. What is it right now in your life that no one can do but you? What is it right now that, that, that you're sick and tired of being sick and tired of? What is it that, I know like Paul and Andrea over there, man, how she runs, man, marathons and, you know, she's like Iron Woman, it's crazy. She's even got Paul in shape and, you know, Paul's our Easter bunny and uh, Santa Claus, so, you know, we got to keep him fit. So, man, I just looked at it, it encourages me. You've been in that now for years, like two or three years, not just a year or six months. But I bet if we got our testimony, it'd be like, I just finally said, enough's enough. I'm going to do this. There isn't anything you can't do that's in your heart if you will press toward it. Because God's the one that puts the good stuff in your heart. But you have to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. You have to be the one to push the plate back. You have to be the one to get out in the neighborhood and do this. You have to be the one to study and get knowledge. You have to be the one to give, to sow. You have to be the one to love, to care, to forgive. You. Nobody else. So if we're going to be all in, you're never going to be all in without problems. You're never going to be all in without pressure and heartache and failure. But see, the problem is, is the way we define failure. Failure is not really you're a rat, a dog, you failed. No, you lose. Failure just shows you that's one way you don't do it. Now try another way. So it's up to you and I to keep trying. What is that? That's pushing, pushing, pushing. 